I'm going to get us started because I know uh, we got some material to cover and um, want to have time for questions. So good morning. Last September, I shared that I was. I need this. I shared that I was beginning to think about retirement, and um, as we celebrate our 150th anniversary at St. Columbus this year, I'm marking a few milestones of my own. Uh, turning 65 and marking 35 years of parish ministry and embarking on my 10th year at Rector of St. Columbus. So I'm beginning to look beyond to different adventures, beginning sometime in the spring, early spring of next year. And as you may be aware, there's a lot going on around here. Um, there always is, but we got some really big projects underway with master planning of our property, the prospect of constructing housing on the Fletcher House site, consideration about reparations, 150th anniversary capital campaign, and more. It's a spirit-filled, a dynamic place. So um, I am humbled, I'm grateful to be part of it, and I am eager to lead the way. Uh, for the balance of my time here and being fully involved in all of those big things on the horizon. Um, and I know that we're in good shape with wonderful wardens Sarah Glenn and Gina Lagomarsino at the helm. Um, I just want to say before I hand this over is um, I've never retired before. Um, but I would like to think that there is an opportunity for us here for this to be a healthy transition, healthy for me and healthy for you, such that at a forum 12 or 18 or 24 months after your new rector has been here, you all can look back and say, well, that went pretty well, all things considered. So let's uh, keep open hearts and open minds to discern together what this healthy transition will look like. And as I hand it over to, I think, Sarah or Gina, I wanted to say welcome to the Reverend Dr. Canon Robert Phillips, Canon for Leadership and Transition Ministries in the Diocese of Washington. So, glad you're all here. Thank you, Ledley. Um, I probably speak for and everybody here. We're sad to think that you will be leaving. But um, you've certainly earned it after 35 plus years of ministry and 10 busy years at St. Columbus. So it's the natural order of things. And it's the natural order of things in the life of the parish, right? So um, we are here today to talk about the rector search process, um, a process that should be fully transparent to everyone. And so we, oh, I'm sorry. I feel like I'm yelling. Is that better? Okay. Um, so Ledley has given us a gift by telling us so far in advance of his plans to leave. We will have time to do a thorough and thoughtful search for the new rector. And um, as we talk about the process today, I'm joined by Gina Lagomarsino, the junior warden, and Reverend Phillips. So before I turn the mic over to um, Robert, let me just make a few observations. First, we're in a really healthy place as a parish. 
This is a thriving, vibrant, vital place, and that will serve us well during the rector search process. We have dedicated, talented staff, clergy who inspire and challenge us, and all of you who make things happen within our walls and within our community. So we are in a really good place uh, as we embark on the rector's search. The second observation is that we anticipate there will be a relatively short time between the time that Ledley leaves and the new rector starts. We do not anticipate bringing in an outside interim rector. Uh, Bishop Mary Ann supports this and we think it will serve us well in the healthy transition that um, Ledley talked about. And finally, uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about the support we're getting from the bishop and her staff. They have been providing wise counsel and advice and will walk with us on the path as we proceed to the rector search process. So this brings me to our guest speaker, Reverend Robert Phillips. As Ledley mentioned, he's the canon for leadership development and congregational care for the diocese. He has an undergraduate degree in economics and computer applications from Notre Dame, and a master's of divinity from Vanderbilt, and a doctorate from the Louisville Theological Seminary with a concentration in pastoral counseling. He's the author of two books, which I'm sure we could get if we wanted. <laughs> um, one of his many responsibilities for the diocese is guiding parishes in the rector search process. So Robert, thank you for being here, and I'll turn the mic over to you. Great. Thank you. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you, Gina. Thank you, Ledley. And thank you. Thank you, St. Columbus. First of all, can you hear me? You, okay, because if not, I was going to use my preacher voice so that I could get points across to you. It truly is a joy to be here with you today. I got here a little bit early, and I was able to come to the we service. Oh, my goodness. We will never grow old. We will never, with that energy that, that was here in this room, thanks be to God. I, I, I shared with, with uh, Ledley earlier, I would love to be able to bottle all of that and take it around from one place to the next so that other parishes, other people could see that you not only, you not only talk about wanting to provide a sacred space for our children, you can actually do it. You can actually do it. So thanks, thanks be, be to God for them and for all of you. So, I come here this morning to share with you a little bit about the transition process. As Gina shared with you, I do wear a couple of hats. I'm the transition officer for the diocese. I'm also in charge of the, the ordination process for those that are discerning a call to the diaconate and to the priesthood. And I also am responsible typically for all conflict management situations in the diocese. I know that comes as a surprise to you that that would be necessary in the church environment, but it is. And I pull upon every skill that I, that I learned in going through my doctoral program in pastoral counseling in order to do that. That and leaning upon Jesus to get me through. So those are a few of the hats that I wear. Some of you may have seen me before. I was also the chaplain and religion teacher at the Bishop Walker School for several years. So for those of you that are like, hmm, I've seen him before, that, that's where you probably have seen me. So as far as the process is concerned, let's go right into it. 
One, I'd like to give you just a little backdrop. You need, I think it's good to understand our current reality before we go into the actual steps, if you will. The current reality includes a couple of things. Number one, we are in a priest's market, a priest's market, in that our, our supply of priests throughout, not just here in the diocese, but throughout the entire church, is very, very shallow. Now, the operative word is that it's shallow, not non-existent. It's shallow. It's shallow. And it's shallow for a couple of reasons, I believe. One, a lot of priests have, have decided to, to retire, to retire, and to retire, to speed up their retirement because of COVID. All right? COVID took everybody to the, to the, to the mat. And so a lot of priests, some priests have decided to kind of speed up their, their retirement. Some priests have died. Some priests have died. And so you may ask, well, okay, if that's the reality, a part of the reality, we're ordaining priests all the time. And so what about that pool of people, that pool of priests? Well, here's, here's the poop on that, and poop is a theological term, right? Okay, the poop on that is that not all seminarians and newly ordained priests are discerning a call to the parish ministry. Not all newly ordained priests and seminarians are are discerning a call to the parish ministry. They are going into not-for-profit orgs, like sojourners. They're going back into the academy to get their, their doctorate so that they can go back and teach in the academy, all right? And they're going into chaplaincy types of positions. And one of the major reasons for that kind of dovetails into another point that is the finances. Across the board, not specifically here or specifically in one or two other places, but across the board, the financial viability of our parishes, of parishes is rather low. And so they are unable to pay for a full-time priest. All right? A full-time priest is rather expensive because you're paying a cash amount, you're paying SICA, you're paying housing allowance, you're paying health insurance, you're paying a lot of things. All right? And many of our parishes simply cannot do it. All right, they cannot do it. So as a result of that and those other factors that I lifted up, we see that the priest pool is very shallow, all right? Now, the truth of the matter as well is that while the priest pool is very shallow, we still have a lot of co congregations, parishes, that need clergy leadership, all right? In the Diocese of Washington, there are 86 parishes. Out of the 86 parishes in this diocese, currently 32 are in active transition, 32. And when I say active transition, what I mean is these are parishes that have either an interim rector, long-term supply, or a priest in charge, all right? So that's big. That keeps me kind of busy, all right, <laughs> with that, that number of parishes. And they're all at, at different stages of, the, of the, the transition process. A lot of them that have been using long-term supply have been using long-term supply for quite a long time. I mean, we're talking five to 10 years because they simply cannot afford, they simply cannot afford to bring on, to bring on a priest full-time or even part-time, truth be told. All right, so that is a lot of the, those are a lot of the current realities that exist not only in this diocese, but across the board in, in different provinces and just across, truth be told, churches, period, regardless if they are Episcopal churches or not. All right, it is very, very, very shallow out there. So as a result of that, having 
32 parishes out of 86 parishes that are in transition. I sat down one day, me and Jesus, and had a conversation, you know, that, that him, have a little talk with Jesus. I had one, and I'm like, we cannot do business the way we used to. We cannot do business the way that we used to. And so I presented a transition model to Bishop Marianne that would address those current realities and hopefully give some fresh air to the whole transition process. The process is girded, undergirded by, I'm going to call them my three S's. It is meant to simplify, streamline, and shorten. Simplify, streamline, and shorten. Simplify. Let's go for the first S. When I say simplify, what I mean is that, you know, many times there was a lot of confusion about roles and responsibilities between the vestry and search committees. Mm-hmm. See, mm-hmm. yeah, some of y'all nodding, saying amen, I understand. There was, there, there was confusion b- between the two. And the confusion manifests itself in sometimes search committees had their own objective for what they wanted to find out about this applicant. And then the candidate is passed on to the vestry, and the vestry has a completely different objective. And they were not talking back and forth with each other. Sometimes, not many, but sometimes priests have walked because they've spent so much time with one group of people focusing upon, for example, administration, and now they are passed on to another group of people that are focusing upon pastoral care. And they, they kind of bounce, bounce away from each other. And they have decided, some of those priests have decided to walk because they're like, you're not together. You don't have it together. You don't have it together. And so they walk. So having, being able to simplify with respect to roles and responsibilities for those involved in the search process is very, very, very key. The second S is streamline. I want to streamline. Many times when, when parishioners hear that their, their clergy, their rector is going to be leaving, they think, well, the next clergy needs to be boom, 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 boom. We need these traits, these characteristics, these qualities, boom, 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 about that person who's coming here next. And while there is a place, an appropriate place for that type of conversation to be had, at the beginning of the, the transition process, it is more important to, for the parish to understand who you are, your identity. Your identity. What turns you on and why? And what ticks you off and why? And to know both your beauty and your brokenness. Your beauty and your, and everybody has that. Everybody has both beauty and brokenness across the board. And so <clears throat> I really, I work very hard with, with, with parishes to be honest about who they are, to be honest about who they are. And the thing about it, I've had many a parish come back to me and they will say, well, now we want to put in our profile, you know, we don't want to say all that, all that real stuff about us. Nobody would want to come and deal with somebody like that. No, 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 that's not the way to approach this. The way to approach it is, is that, yes, we all have our beauty and we all have our brokenness. In identifying those challenges in your brokenness, identify it, then state what you're doing to address it. Then state the Dr. Phil's question, and how's that working for you? All right? That's what priests want to see. Because when they, when they read in your profile that you have this challenge, and this is what you're doing to address it, and this is how it's working, that tells the priest, 
they're self-aware. They're self-aware, and I like that. I like that. You all know who you are. One of two things about that. One, when I first came on board in this role in the first year, I did four disillusions. And a disillusion is just that. It's a dissolving of relationship between rector and parish, all right? They're always painful. They're always painful. And they really take you down to the mat. Each one of those rectors came to me after everything was over and said, you know, Robert, if I had known then what I found out about this parish and that I know now, I would have never taken this call. All right. Likewise, vestry members came to me and said, you know, Robert, if we had known then what we found out about this priest, we would have never called her or him. All right. And it's all about being transparent, being transparent and being fully transparent in also stating what you're doing to address the situation. For example, I lifted this up, I think, the last time when I spoke with the vestry. <clears throat> There was a parish who did their profile, and they were just going along just all beautifully, et cetera, et cetera. And so they put in the profile, which I always read and review, they placed in the, prof in the profile, well, we haven't had a junior warden for the past five years. And then they kept on talking about something else. I said, oh, my. Rewind the tape. You haven't had a junior warden for five years. Say more about it. I'm also a therapist, okay? So I said, say more about that. Say more about that. And so they said, well, you know, the junior warden role is really, really hard, and we're an aging congregation, and you got to do the building thing. you got to climb up on top of it. You know, it's just really, really hard. And I said, okay, keep going. Well, you know, and it's just really hard. Like I said, we're an aging congregation. So I went through, this, I went through a couple of cycles with them about that for them to actually tell me what the deal was. Finally, they said, all right. The reason we haven't had a junior warden in the past five years is because the last junior warden we had raised so much hell on the vestry that nobody wanted to be on the vestry, much less in that role. Oh, oh, all right. So what I'm hearing is that you have fractured relationships here in the parish. So what are you doing to address it? She said, well, you know, we've been praying about it. In fact, we've developed some prayer circles to address some of the conflicts that we have in our parish. Really? And how's that working for you? Well, you know, it's been working pretty well. In fact, people are really coming out. It's really grown a lot. There you go. That's what needs to be in the profile. Talk about who you are, both your beauty and your brokenness, and state what you're doing to address your challenges and how it's working for you. Because that tells uh, applying priests that you're self-aware. The third point is to shorten it. Long gone are these days of having these search processes that go on and on and on, just ad nauseum. All right? Long we, don't have, we don't have that luxury of time anymore because, as I said at the beginning, we don't, our priest pool is very shallow. So when you find a priest with whom, in whom you are interested, don't cue the priest up. Bring the priest in. Interview the priest, all right, if you are interested. All right, we don't have the luxury of time. And there have been a couple of situations, not only in this diocese, but in other dioceses, where vestries have kind of like, you know, dragged the feet. Well, you know, we want to see if we can have, like, we need like 10 to 12 applicants because, you know, we know who we are. And people should definitely want to come and apply here. 
No, sugar. No, 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 no. The thing about that, here again, we're in a pre we have a shortage of priests. And so you don't cue anybody up. So you, gotta, you have to act quickly. Also, in acting quickly, you're able to then position yourself so that you can really step into the process itself. So as a result of that, I have set up in this transition model the, the, the search process to be conducted by the governing body that is going to actually do the call, which is the vestry. All right? So no more search committees, search process being, formed, being conducted by the vestry, having been equipped by diocesan staff and other people in the diocese. All right? There are three major teams, diocesan teams, in the model that will support the vestry in performing the transition, the search process. They include, from a financial perspective, the financial review team. That is headed up by Canon Andrew Walter, our Canon to the Ordinary and Chief of Staff. He, along with a team, a group of people who have been through the financial piece, will perform your financial review and make sure that all of your I's are dotted, T's are crossed, and all that kind of good stuff. I'll talk about, more about that in just a second. The second team is the Parish Vitality Assessment Team, the PVA. You'll hear it called that from time to time, Parish Vitality Assessment. That is headed up by Canon Anne-Marie Jeffrey, our Canon for Congregational Vitality. And so she has a team of people that will come out and further support the vestry as they develop their Parish Vitality Assessment. And the third team is the OTM, Office of Transition Ministry, OTM, Office of Transition Ministry team, headed up by someone who loves you dearly, and that is me. <laughs> All right? And I have people who are on my team who can go out and, and who will come out and assist the vestry in addressing the narrative questions on the OTM parish profile. So we have these three teams, these three teams. So now let's go into the depth of the, of the model itself. <clears throat> the first step in, in the model, the first major step in the model is the financial review. The financial review has a couple of prongs, P-R-O-N-G-S, prongs. One of the prongs is, can you pay your bills? Quite simply, can you pay your bills? You have this income, you have this expense, can you pay your bills? Wonderful, you can, check that box. The next prong is, what will you be able to offer your incoming clergy person? What will you be able to offer? As far as cash, housing allowance, SICA, health insurance, transportation, all of that. What can you offer? The third prong is the a detailed job description. A detailed job description. And the reason that I emphasize that is because that's one of the tools that you can use that you can later double dip. In that the more detailed your job description is, the easier it is to extrapolate that bullet point over into an interview question for your applicant, okay? So the more detailed your job description is, the more time you will be able to gain on the other end, all right? All parishes that are in transition are required to have an audit done, an audit completed. So that's one of the pieces of the financial review as well. The next step is the parish vitality assessment, which I believe uh, Gina's going to talk a little bit about later on, but just very from a high level. The parish vitality assessment was birthed out of the strategic plan that was presented for the diocese back at convention in 2020. All right, there were three major areas that came out of that strategic plan at that time. 
Formation, revitalization, and justice. Formation, revitalization, and justice. The parish vitality assessment was birthed from the, the revitalization subject area. In it, there are seven, the diocese identified seven major energies, if you will, that can help to assess how vital the parish is. Some of those include, do you have a compelling mission and vision? Do you have a clear path of discipleship? Do you have faithful financial practices? Do you have inspiring and capable leadership? Do you have welcoming and connecting ministries? Do you have uplifting and inviting worship? And do you do things that bless the community? All right, those are the seven vital signs. And Gina's gonna talk some more about that in just, in just a minute. The thing about that is you all, and this is one of the major, major foundational pieces for this model is that everyone must be involved. All of the surveys, all of the invitations that, you, that are extended to you Please engage, please engage. And being able to do this parish vitality assessment is one of the ways that you can start practicing this. And in fact, the launch of that is today, okay, is today. So it's a lot of excitement about that. So what's gonna happen is that all of those, all of your, those responses will be synthesized into one parish vitality assessment, <clears throat> all right? And then you'll be able to see and a very, a very wide breadth, if you will, breadth and depth of who you are. Who you are, where are you right now? All right, the next step is to do a website review. And it truly is a review, it's a high level review. Go out to the website and you want to ensure that all that which you mentioned in your parish vitality assessment has a home on your website and vice versa. Everything that you have on your website, you've talked about in your parish vitality assessment. It's a very short thing. It's just a, a high-level review. You'll tag, the, you'll tag the, the, the findings, and then you'll come back at a later time to do the actual reconstruction of it, should you need to. The next step is the OTM, the Office of Transition Ministry, Parish Profile. These are about 11 or 12 questions on the profile, which is the actual document, if you will, that is uploaded to the OTM database such that priests will know everything about St. Columbus, all right? And so there are eight, there are about 11 questions on that, and they, just to give you a flavoring for what those sound like, I will share with you some of them. Describe a moment in your worshiping community's recent ministry which you recognize as one of success and fulfillment. Describe your liturgical style and practice. If your community provides more than one type of worship service, please describe all of them. As a worship, worshiping community, how do you care for your spiritual, emotional, and physical well-being? How do you engage in pastoral care for those beyond your worshiping community? What is your experience of conflict and how have you addressed it? And again, that, that one is so very cute as some parishes respond to it and say, well, you know, we talk things out, and that's wonderful. That's wonderful. And then what do you do? Well, you know, we talk a little bit more. Mm. So people are, you know, hemorrhaging over on the side because you got to get something done. So that just gives you a flavoring of what those narrative questions are like. 
Once you've completed the OTM Parish Profile in its entirety, which has those narrative questions, the financial pieces, and some historical pieces, then you, and, and you submit it to me, I will review it. Upon the review, I'm sure I'll check the box like they're ready, and then you become live on the OTM database. You are live. When you become live on the database, Worldwide things will happen. People will, will contact you from all over. In St. Columbus, you all are going to have a goodly number of applications, all right? Because you're an attractive church. Like I said, I came to WE this morning. If I don't see anything else, I'd apply for the job. But anyway, <laughs> you didn't hear that. You didn't hear that. You didn't hear that. So <clears throat> you start receiving your applications, and here's the way that rolls out. As the vestry receives applications, what they're going to do is, if there is a priest with whom, in whom they are interested, they will interview that priest, in, they will bring the priest in, or rather have a Zoom call, however they, they want to structure it, and do the interview. If after the first interview they want to continue to a second round of interviews, they need to contact me so that I can perform what is done, what is called a red flag check. Red flag check is does the conversation that is had between me, the transition officer in the diocese that is doing the search, and the transition officer in the diocese where the priest is applying, all right? In that conversation, which is confidential, it is confidential, in that conversation, I will explore my three C's. As you see, I do a lot of alliteration things. My three C's, chemistry, competency, and character. Tell me about this priest's chemistry. Is this an affable person? Are they affable? Do you feel comfortable around her or him? Are they engaging? Tell me about the, the chemistry piece, their character. Have there been a title, has there been a Title III or a Title IV? You know, behavior unbecoming to a priest. Done. Tell me about that, if that's the case. And competency. You know, do they, have they been to a seminary? And while we might all giggle about that, you would be surprised. You would be surprised if some of the, some of the priests that, that, well, priests, that call me and say, you know, I'm interested in this particular parish and blah, blah, blah. I said, well, that's it. I said, I was looking on the OTM profile. I didn't see your name. Well, you know, I'm not exactly um, affiliated with the Episcopal Church. Oh, well, what now? <laughs> so I go into that. And I, I, and I also ask this. Tell me about that, the priest's ability to read a room. Can the priest read a room? Because if you cannot read a room, you're going to have problems from day one. From day one. And I want to know, is this priest involved in the diocese? Like, do you know who it is? There have been times that I've done red flag checks and the transition officer will say, now who is that again? I said, well, so-and-so, so-and-so. Well, uh, spell it. Spell it. They don't know who the priest is, which tells me they're not involved in the diocese, all right? So <clears throat> going through this red flag check is very, very, very important. And you do that before you, in, you invite the priest to do a second round of interviews so that we can nail that down, all right? After that happens, then the vestry will determine if they want to do another round and another round, and then they, get, they come to a, to a decision as to this is the priest that we want to call. This is the priest that we want to call, all right? In the past, just to give you a quick idea, and this is, this is a very general swath, if you will. The financial review takes anywhere from one to two weeks. Your parish vitality assessment takes anywhere from six to eight weeks. 
your website review one week, because again, it's just a review, your OTM Paris profile about four to six weeks. Is there, ooh, okay, okay, um, I gotta wrap it up. So the whole thing takes anywhere from like three to six months total, which is substantially shorter than what we've had before for the search process. So I'm gonna put a little comma there and turn it over to whoever's next. <laughs> So we want to leave time for questions, and Gina wants to describe the um, Parish Vitality Assessment, which is launching today. But if I could ask the, um, there's a number of vestry members here, and in case you don't know them, I thought it would be nice if they stood to introduce themselves, and you could, since we will be your search committee. So, um, Keisha, do you want to introduce yourself? I'm Keisha. <laughs> and Ryan, Ryan, Ryan McNavage, Jane Ward. Josh Wilson, this is a challenge. Um, Charles Maluzzo and Sarah Griffith in the back, and oh, Carrie, Carrie Peister, and Chris. I'm so sorry, Chris. Sarah. Oh, oh, and Mike and, and uh, Mike Davis. So that is your search. And um, oh, Emma came back. Uh, Emma's here. <laughs> wow. Yay, Vestry. <laughs> um, and also you should know that we did um, ask a few parishioners to join what we're calling the search advisory group. They have come to the, uh, this group with particular skills and, and experiences that are proving very valuable. And so we have a couple of SAG members here. Um, Chris Luckett, Joy Bates-Boyle, and Bryce was here, oh, Bryce is here. Bryce Whitesides, and Catherine Huffman, who was unable to be here. So that's your SAG group. And Gina, over to you. Great, thank you. Can you guys hear me? Um, so I'm really excited to be working on this vestry search with Sarah, the vestry, the SAG, and also Robert and his team. Thank you so much. You guys have been really, really helpful on this. Just wanted to talk briefly about how you can all participate in this preparation for the search process. Um, and I just, we just handed out a one-pager. Um, the most important thing is that today we are launching this Parish Vitality Assessment Survey. It's an online survey. You can get to it using the QR code that is on there if you want to take it on your phone, or you can type in the link into your computer. We're going to blast you all with this um, way to get to the survey over the next four weeks. Um, so there'll probably be various different ways that you can click on it. Um, but it will explore those seven different dimensions of parish vitality that Robert mentioned earlier. And we really are hoping that we will get like close to 100% participation. Please fill out the survey. This is the main way that we can be self-aware and understand how, um, how well we're doing um, on our mission to live God's love. Um, so please take that survey. Um, we also are going to hold a series of small group discussions, um, which we're providing because we imagine there are folks who might have questions. We have a little bit of time, but not in, probably enough today to explore everything. Questions, ideas. Um, so those are going to take place over the course of the next month. There's a few on evenings and a few on, on Sunday mornings. Or actually, I think we're doing them at noon after the 11 a.m. And there, some will be by Zoom and some will be in person. So if you would like to talk more about this search or have questions, please come to one of those. They will be facilitated by our search advisory group members. And we're going to try to make sure there's at least a couple of vestry members at each of those. Then we're going to take all of that information 
um, and synthesize it into this you know, final parish vitality assessment that lets us know how we're doing, and that will go into this profile to answer those kinds of questions that, that Robert mentioned that we can put out to the world um, and hopefully get some really great candidates. Um, uh, we're also, I, I want to acknowledge that we have a fantastic strategic plan that was developed with lots and lots of parish input back in 2019. The vestry just reaffirmed that strategic plan through 2026 and made a few tweaks to it. So the um, rest assured, what is in that strategic plan will also go into the parish profile alongside what we learned from this parish vitality assessment as well. Um, it, this will be, of course, a national search, as Robert alluded to. We want it to be competitive and inclusive. Um, if you know people that you think should apply, please let us know. We're really, in, well, we want to see who applies to us, but we are not going to just wait and twiddle our thumbs and see who, you know, applies on the OTM. We will also be reaching out and actively trying to recruit really good priests. So let us know if you know people. Um, we've actually set up a little um, email address that's going to go to me and Sarah. Um, I think it, it's, it's on your, um, your sheet, it's just rectorsearch at columba.org. So if you have any questions or ideas or specific people you think we ought to be talking to, you can send us that. Um, and then finally, just the rough timeline. I mean, the way we've been thinking about a timeline that works for us here at St. Columba's is we're really gonna spend this spring on this parish engagement process and writing up the vitality assessment and the parish profile. We're hoping to post the job description sometime over the summer and really be interviewing candidates in the fall. And as Robert mentioned, we'll be, if we find someone great, um, we will be trying to talk to them soon. Um, Ledley has said that we should be planning a big send off for him. Maybe sometime, well, he said he's leaving. We, we believe we should be planning a big send, send off for him. He, he just wants a little quiet thing, but um, no, we will be planning a big send-off for Ludley sometime around a year from now. So I know he is all in and we have so much going on, um, but uh, we will, that's our timing and we're hoping that we'll be able to call our new rector sometime soon after that. Um, so that's the timeline. Um, Sarah, did I miss anything on all that? Okay, good. Well, I think we do, do we have a couple of minutes for questions? I'll let you, do you want me to? Thank you so much for this very thorough briefing, and it is a lot to take in. Two questions. One, can you say a little about criteria? Because one of the key things, I think, in searches is you do it in relation to what you've had. So maybe we're going to shore up. We've got such a strong foundation in Ledley's leadership. So what, you know, what next? I'd love to hear anything that the vestry may already be thinking about in terms of criteria. And secondly, in the process that was laid out, it sure sounds like a full-time job for the vestry and then some. And I didn't hear in that at what point or whether candidates are invited to preach or is there any way that we get exposed to candidates or does it go all the way through to the selection by the vestry before the parish um, is engaged? Other than the surveys and these very welcome opportunities to, um, to talk in small groups. Thank you. Um, good, really good questions. On the criteria, 
issue, we'll be looking at what we get back from the parish vitality assessment, and we'll be talking to current staff, Ledley, and uh, fleshing out, you know, what criteria. So no, the vestry hasn't talked about that yet, and if you've got ideas included in your um, this online survey or come to the listening session, we welcome um, your thoughts on that. And in terms of, um, Robert, I don't know if you want to talk about this, there will be a point at which there, there confidentiality in terms of the interview process and the applicant process. So um, you'll just have to, it's just what it is, so. Thanks. Yes. Thank you. One of the great things that Ledley's brought is building an amazing team here. And I'm, I'm wondering, Robert, especially, um, what you do to make sure that the strengths that are there among this team continue to grow even as they may be looking to a new team leader. Yes. <laughs> yes. I think that the way that that will probably roll itself out will be in the conversations that are had and the information that you send up, once again, what Gina lifted up, from the vitality assessment, from the OTM Parish Profile narrative questions. All of those questions will be very rich with respect to this is who we are. Currently, we have a staff that is able to support this that is who that our identity. So we want to ensure that we continue down that pathway along the way. Then that's one of the reasons why, again, it's so important for everyone to participate in the survey itself, in all of the, the reaching outs, if you will. Okay. Thank you. Good question. And we do have an amazing staff, and I think that's a great question. I think I know Ludley is thinking about that, and there are others to try to make sure that we um, you know, maintain the energy on, on our staff, um, even through this search process. So, other questions? Yes. Like, I'm filling out for my household, I'm going to respond, but I have youth in my household, should they also be participating in the assessment? Yes, and I know that you have some youth, and we would absolutely love youth to fill this out. In fact, if you look at the demographics, I know Boyce was the one that coded the survey, but I think we have like a demographic for people under age 18. So we absolutely, and we've even thought about potentially going and having a chat with the youth as we get into this question of what should be um, the characteristics of a new rector. So every person in your household could fill it out. This is not, when you vote for vestry elections, I think you have to, there's various criteria of who can vote. This, like anyone who wants to fill this out can, can fill it out. Other questions? All right, I think you must have uh, answered everything, Robert. Sarah, any last? Thank you, and we look forward to hearing from you. So, and thank you, Robert, for coming. Bye-bye. Thank you so much, Robert.